Hey everyone, this is Clint Emerson, retired Navy SEAL and author of The Right Kind of Crazy. You are listening to the Talking Lead Podcast, and we've been leducating the uneducated since 2012. Lead heads, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast, Leducating the Uneducated from 2012. If you guys didn't have an opportunity, make sure you go back to last week's episode, 323, where we had EAA, European American Armory Corporation on. We had Keith and Bill, and uh, they sent me that Gobbler shotgun, the 12-gauge uh, turkey gun. I've been trying that out. We talked about that. And we talked about uh, the other offerings from EAA. Don't want to miss that. Go back, check it out. And uh, you're going to have a little surprise there, too. Bill is actually a well-known uh, infomercial personality. He's like way before the, was that guy named Billy, was it Billy Mays? The Ginsu Knife. If you're familiar with the Ginsu Knife, that's the voice that you hear in our podcast last week. Bill Bill is the voice of the Ginsu knife. In Japan, the hand can be used like a knife. <laughs> and I'm sure our guest uh, is familiar with that uh, that commercial. So I'll go ahead and introduce our guest this week. Uh, we have retired Navy SEAL and author, and he has a best-selling book called 100 Deadly Skills. And his latest book was just released on Veterans Day. I do believe I've got that date right. And uh, as you guys are listening to this, um, it's out. It's ready. You can go get it. It's called The Right Kind of Crazy. And the author is Clint Emerson. Clint, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, it came out. uh, Actually, it came out today, the day after Veterans Day. Okay. A holiday, so they just round to the next day. But... Yeah, it's available now in all stores, uh, and of course, Amazon. There you go. And uh, this is through uh, Atria Books, which is a division of Simon & Schuster. And I want to thank David Brown uh, again for setting this interview up with Clint. So thank you, David. We appreciate that. I know uh, the Leadhead Brigade will be excited for this interview, too. Uh, So I got an advanced copy of your book and was able to – I actually just finished it yesterday (laughs) – <laughs> I'm awesome. A, I'm a slow reader, but you know, I I, I enjoy what's it savor? I savor my books. So yeah, there you go. And, and it was a very good read, Leadheads. So I can tell you firsthand uh, that this is this has got some humor. It's got real life uh, stuff in, it, and then he's got some as much as he can tell. Uh, you know, some of the secret stuff that uh, he was involved with. So a little bit about Clint. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He spent 20 years conducting special ops all over the world uh, while attached to SEAL teams, including SEAL Team 6 and the NSA, the National Security Agency. And uh, you used an array of practical skills to protect yourself while at home and abroad. Uh, and that led you to create what you talk about in the book, Violent Nomad. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You have your own company now, too, Escape the Wolf. Yes, Escape the Wolf, Crisis Management. Crisis Management, we're going to talk about that. 
Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about the book. But first, Clint, it's time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon Train. So, Gunny, bring right. that train in. Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. Nice. <laughs> All right, the train has stationed, and um, haven't had as many of you leadheads send in jack wagons, I guess because we got a shorter uh, span of time between uh, last episode and this episode. But that's okay. I know you guys will flood me uh, in the meantime. So I've got a couple of jack wagons that I want to point out. And this was one that you can relate to, uh, Clint. All right. Uh, and you, you talk a little bit about it in your, in your book, too. So this comes to us from the WashingtonPost.com. It says, Soldiers with top-secret clearances say they were forced to use an app that could endanger them. <laughs> So the story goes on. This is November 12, 2019. Soldiers in an intelligence unit with top-secret clearances were ordered by their commander to download an information app, triggering fear their secretive work would be harnessed and exploited by adversary governments. Soldiers in the unit told the Washington Post. And it names names in this. I'm not going to name any names on the show here. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, the commander told the soldiers in late October... A new app developed for the unit could provide weather updates, training changes, and other logistics. Uh, she then told the soldiers to download it on their personal smartphones, uh, according to a Texas-based soldier in the unit. Uh, and then, of course, the soldiers are cringing at, at this because as they go and read the terms of service, said it could collect substantial amounts of personal data and that the developer... Uh, has a presence overseas. Mm. So what are what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I look. The first thing I always look at with apps, especially if I'm going to be using them for work, is like, okay, who developed it? Where are they located? Right, mm -hmm. and then even more so, you know, apps uh, rely on servers because all of that information is stored in the cloud. You know, right. that little icon, that little icon you have on your phone. Is really it's minimal, right? As far as how big it is, and then as soon as you click on it, it's it's attaching to something. And no, so it's who developed it, what country are they based out of, and then more importantly, where are the servers located? Because yeah. uh, all of that certainly leads to exploitation. If uh, you know, now obviously they probably contracted and vetted a company to build this thing, but even then. You know, contracting officers, as I know, don't always do all the best, you know, due diligence <laughs> on who, who's actually building the app and where it's being, you know, hosted. Right. So it goes on to say the app's uh, permissions, which suggested it could pull GPS location data, photos, contacts, and even rewrite memory cards. Frustrated soldiers <laughs> who have taken extreme precautions uh, they felt were glossed over. Uh, Trotter is, the, I guess, the commander's name and other senior leaders. Uh, the worst-case scenario, uh, he said, was our cover might be blown. While the app said permissions could be disabled, the soldiers said there was a failure of confidence it was secure. Senior leaders checked the phones of subordinates to ensure they had the app installed, soldiers in the unit said. So they were forced to do this, whether they wanted to, do it, or, whether they wanted to do it or not. Yeah. 
Um, this is kind of weird. It almost makes you think that there's something, uh, something else with the app and why they would want all the soldiers downloading it. Like something more army specific that they're not saying out loud. <laughs> right. Yeah. They have ulterior motives for this app probably than what they're telling them. Huh? Maybe. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but let's face it. I mean, it's the military. They can do it. They try to do whatever they want. I mean, as we all know, you're, you're just a, you're just a cog in a big wheel. So as you, as uh, you unfortunately found out, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Clint? Does any, anybody come to mind that you want to throw on the jack wagon train or anything maybe like this app? Uh, you know, since this is book launch day, um, you as a book launch, you rely heavily on getting any kind of exposure, right? So David setting us up is you know part of the deal. So it's podcasts, it's radio, tours, it's all kinds of stuff. But the one thing I didn't get this time around that's usually not too difficult to get is like a national spot, like Fox and Friends or yeah. Today Show, all those big things. Well, we were put on standby. And so it's not really a news piece, but it just shows the how infatuated the media is with Trump, where they 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 give him every bit of the airwaves, right? And yeah. then they're always on standby for the next person that has something controversial about him as well. And so they they rack and stack like for us, like us authors, you know, we're not getting any exposure whatsoever because they rack and stack all of that. Their, their, their day's worth of events are built around Trump. the president. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I kind of thought this is the first time you kind of notice how much they are just 100% all about him. He dominates and, uh, the news. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's unlike anything I've ever seen in my, you know, almost 50 years now. I've, it's, it's unreal how much he dominates every yeah. every bit, every aspect of the news. And it's 24-7, right? And it's yeah. on all platforms. It's yeah. social media. It's the conventional you know, media. It's the press. It's the print. I mean, you name it, that they are just all waiting for the next whatever That's <laughs> to right. happen. That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah. as our landheads know, we don't, we don't do that here. So, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are, there are other shows that do that, and uh, they do it well, and they can keep on, keep on. So that's right. Uh, I've got I've got another one here uh, before we uh, uh, get the train out of here, and this just kind of goes to people's sensitivities nowadays. How people are just oversensitive, uh, I think. So yeah. this this comes from uh, phys dot org. And I think it's like a physics, um, astronomy, more scientific type uh, website. NASA renames faraway ice world Arokoth after backlash. So here, here's the story. Hmm. The, the previous name of this uh, ice world was called Ultima Thule. It's the farthest cosmic body ever visited by a spacecraft has been officially renamed, and it's A-R-R-O-K-O-T-H. It's a, an Indian word. I'm going to say Arokoth, 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 mm -hmm. which means sky in the Native American uh, Powhatan, P-O-W-H-A-T-A-N. Is that familiar to you? 
Pahatan, Pahatan, <laughs> and uh, Algonquin languages, following a significant backlash over the old names, Nazi connotations. <laughs> so, again, I mean, the Nazis are still ruining our modern day world, <laughs> turning yeah. us upside down. So it says the icy rock which orbits in the dark and frigid K-U-I-P-E-R belt about a billion miles beyond Pluto was visited by the NASA spaceship New Horizons in January this year with the first detailed images showing it consisted of two spheres stuck together in the shape of a snowman. So you guys can go and read all this uh, about this place, uh, but here's the, the juice of it. The name sparked a backlash because it was co-opted by far-right German occultists in the early 20th century as the fabled ancient northern country of the Aryan people, the term they used to describe uh, Proto-Indo-Europeans. Their Thule society later became Adolf Hitler's Nazi party, and the term remains popular in alt-right circles. It is, for example, also the name of a Swedish white power rock group. Mm. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew all this? Yeah. I mean, you could you could have told me that that place was called uh, Ultima Thule, and I was like, that's kind of a cool name, uh, right? Which it was in existence before the the Nazi Party adopted it, just like the swastika. Right, it, it had been around and it had no negative connotations whatsoever. Been used by civilizations for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years before the Nazis adopted it. Uh, and now that's what the swastika has become. And if it's ever seen, then that's that's what you're accused of. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, that sounds a little foolish. I mean, I, I if you don't want history to repeat itself, right, leave stuff alone. Exactly. Right? You want to tear down every statue. You want to rename everything and erase what happened. You know, it's kind of. I just don't get it. It's counterproductive. You know, it's good to, regardless of it's history one, right? It's come and it's gone. And, uh, you know, we just move on. It, that is true. And that's, I mean, again, like you said, the, the erasing history is how history repeats itself. Yeah. If we're not, if we don't have it there to learn as an example, then the generations that are to come are just, they're destined. You know, it's going to happen. History will repeat itself. Oh, yeah, and if you don't leverage the lessons learned from those events, right, you just stop talking about them. You act like it never happened. You rename it. Well, then, you know, what's to prevent anybody from thinking, oh, I've got a great idea. Right. You know, and exactly. then, but it's not. It's actually something that's already been happening, whether it's genocide or hey, I'm going to torture people or right. whatever it is. I've got a great like, idea. How about, how about all white people with blue eyes? Uh, to be yeah. the only people living on the the planet. Well, they tried that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, I just, uh, again, another one of those um, stories that you hear that just makes you go, man, really? Why? Yeah, damn just leave it, it alone. Damn it, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he gets blamed for a lot, but it's all right. Well, I mean, he's dead, so he's a good scapegoat, right? Right. <laughs> All right, uh, Leadheads, send in your jackwagons, talkingleadgmail.com, and uh, we'll read them here on the air. 
So going to get that train out of here. Uh, we want to talk some good stuff now. Bring in the Lead Head Brigade Heroes, Lead Force One. It's taxing in and <laughs> And Clint, our pilot for that, believe it or not, is the ghost of Charlton Heston. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It, It's not Charlton Heston, but it's the ghost of Charlton Heston. Uh, All right. So we had this contest a while back. Um, We've done the jack wagon train. Uh, I've been doing the show for seven years and we've been doing a version of the jack wagon train for about seven years. And, uh, we had some suggestions from lead heads that, Hey, you're, you know, you're bringing out all these bad people and showing them, why don't we do something to, to honor and recognize the people doing good. So, uh, we had a contest. I was like, okay, you guys want it. I'm going to let you name it and you get to pick your own pilot and everything. And we had, we had fun with it, gave uh, lots of stuff away to our, our lead heads and, they finally decided, they settled on Leadhead Brigade Heroes as the, the title, and they're going to be in a plane, and the plane's going to be Lead Force One, and the pilot, out of all the choices that they, they suggested, they, they voted. I let them vote on it. Uh, the ghost of Charlton Heston won. Nice. <laughs> Even the guy from Independence Day, uh, uh, the, the drunk dad, you remember him who flew? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who sacrificed himself and, and flew up into the the alien? He he was a nominee. Oh, nice! But uh, that that's how we came up with that. I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right, so yeah. uh, it plane... goes well too with the lead the lead head piece. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'll see that I do a a spin on talking lead with everything that I do with the lead head brigade, the uh, educating the uneducated. Uh, Clint, we even have our own mug. It's called the the Talking Letty, the Evil Black Assault Mug. I like it. Keeps your drinks minutes colder than the Yeti, the Talking Letty. Get it today. <laughs> there you go. Plug it. <laughs> Buy one now. And you can go to our website, and there's links there where you can go get your Letty's Leadheads. All right, so our first uh, hero that we're going to uh, put on the plane I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I mean, we're a day late, but but it's never too late. Uh, in honor of Veterans Day, we're bringing in the biggest Lead Force One ever, and we're putting all our veterans on that plane. So that that's my nomination for this week's Lead Head Brigade Heroes. I like it. Sounds good to me. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. You have a, a specific seat for uh, all the major wars, too. I think that'd be a good way to break it up. Or we could just, each war gets their own plane. There that'd you be, go. That there you go. Bring the fleet in. Yeah. I all like right. It. So Mark Peck, Leadhead Mark, sends this in. Says the 2A doesn't apply just to firearms. And this is a, this is a crazy one. So brace yourselves. Let me get the link come up here. This is uh, on... Blue Lives Matter, and the headline is Intruder Breaks in Man's House, Then Homeowner Goes Medieval with a Battle Axe. <laughs> and I like it. I'm going to show you, I don't know if you can see this or not. Oh, yeah. Can you, it's like somebody from the Planet of the Apes or something, I don't know. It's like, 
Cornelius yeah. or, or something. So uh, this is in, looks like Michigan. And that's just the way this starts off. A competitive combat hobbyist used a replica battle axe to fend off a convicted felon who broke into his home on Wednesday night. I like it. A competitive combat hobbyist. Ben Ball said he was home alone playing video games, shocker, at approximately 11.30 p.m. when someone began pounding on his door. The suspect, later identified as uh, Alex Laval Rawls, used he used to date Ball's female roommate, but she moved away in order to distance herself from Rawls. Apparently, Rawls is a bad dude. <laughs> so, uh, basically what happens, I guess, dude told her she didn't live there anymore. He didn't believe her. He kicks the door in. And then this competitive combat hobbyist has handy a sharpened battle axe, and he begins begins to uh, use it, slay, chop uh, <laughs> the intruder uh, several times. Uh, they said there was a, a fisticuffs ensued. The dude's apartment was completely trashed. There's a video. You guys go and look this up. I'll put a link on our show notes when I post the show. But the video is hilarious, and this dude is... I would love to get him on the show. He's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. He's yeah. got... I don't know what kind of toboggan you call that, where they come down over your ears. Yeah, I saw that. Like an Elmer Fudd kind of toboggan. <laughs> He's got a, yeah. a chin goatee that goes down to mid-chest. And he looks stoned out of his mind. And in the even in the interview, there's a bottle of liquor on the table next to him as they're doing the interview with this dude. <laughs> it's uh, like an all right guy. It's hilarious. But he's our hero. Uh, Mark wants to put him on the um, Lead Force One as, as our hero, exercising his Second Amendment right to a battle axe. Nice. I'd take it. <laughs> No, so so it's just it's about honoring uh, people who who we feel have done something good and deserve some recognition. Yeah, no, that's great. I just think to, that kid that kid racked it up for sure. Just to counteract all the negativity, you know, from our jack wagon train. Yeah. Right. What about you? You got a, you got a hero? You got somebody or something? Doesn't have to be a person either. It could be could be an animal. Could be a, a product, maybe or something, or a company. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking something recent. Um, Simon and Schuster. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to all the publishers out there, Simon and Schuster comes in first place. Uh, man, I mean, I gotta say, this book was not uh, was not written solely by me, right? Most seals don't write their own books, so, so it I was found, a yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a collective effort of all the guys I served with. Over the 20 years, right? So I had to do interviews with all of them to plug in the many memory gaps that I have. And uh, so, yeah, I got to give it to them on this one because it wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been, this thing wouldn't have been put together as well as it was with the details that it has without those guys providing some great memories that I had somehow forgotten. So, a little fact checking for you. Oh, yeah. You got to give it to them. Very cool. Yeah. 
And and you acknowledge them in your book as well toward the end. I did read that uh, also. So. Yeah. Yep. Generally, I kind of give them a, I give them a, a little bit of Bravo Zulu. Give them a nod. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Let's uh let's get that plane out of here now. Ghost, get us out of here. Go uh, support our heroes. And if you haven't if you haven't gone and and thank the vet, make sure you go and do that. Veterans Day is. You know, it's a day that's designated, but every day is is a great time to go and think of vet. Just take that opportunity and let them know how much uh, you appreciate their service and and what they do and their sacrifices because they do do sacrifice a lot. And uh, you make that perfectly clear in this book too about all the sacrifices that that you had to make. That's right. So let's let's do that, Clint. Let's talk about first off. Let's talk about your your first book that you had. How long ago was that? The Hundred Deadly Skills. Yeah, that's turned into a little short series, and the first one came out about four years ago. And uh, it was pretty much right after I got out of the Navy, started working on it, and uh, built it in about a year, and then published it right after that. So what's it about? Just a high-level, get us get us interested. Yeah. Uh, 100 Deadly Skills is really, the, I'm always trying to promote that everyone should be more self-reliant and self-rescue capable, right? We're all first responders these days. It's not just limited to the people that show up with, you know, the red and blue and white lights flashing. It's all of us at this point. And so that's really the emphasis. And $100 skills gives people a lot of great skills, most of which were developed by bad guys. And uh, so, number one, it builds awareness, right? If I know how bad guys operate, then I will be able to be more in tune and alert to any of the cues or clues in the environment before something bad happens, right? So by knowing your adversary's tactics increases awareness. Number two, it gives you those skills really easy. It's illustrated for all of those crayon eaters, you know, that uh, don't know how to read. And uh, it gives you step-by-step on how, yeah, it gives you step-by-step on how to do those skills in it. Uh, But the beauty of it, number one, it, it sat on the New York Times list for like, eight months straight, um, which shows that this country is finally taking safety and security seriously, right? And that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the Leadheads know we, uh, you know, we preach that on the show. We are a uh, 2A-centric show, and uh, if you're going to take that obligation of carrying a firearm, you got to get trained, not only with that's your right. firearm, but you, gotta, you need to take medical training also. And uh, it sounds like this book would uh, add a whole lot of uh, uh, skills to their their bag of tricks. Oh, yeah. Hunter Deli's both books give you all the skills to defeat bad guys and also survive major crises. So, uh, and everybody so far has loved it. So, I know your following will dig it too. Okay. Very good. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Been, that's next on my list. I'm going to get that. Can, and you, you talk it up a little bit toward the end of the book there too. And, uh, I was like, oh, so the stuff you're yeah. talking about, oh, that's in that book. I gotta get that book. So. <laughs> that's right. Which, which brings us to the right kind of crazy, Clint Emerson, author of the New York Times bestselling 100 Deadly, Deadly Skills, My Life as a Navy SEAL, Covert Operative, and Boy Scout from Hell. That's right. And you were, you were a little <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> if you read it, you know. Sounds like my, right. uh, my childhood. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, hey, then, you know, that's the thing is it's like, hey, let's bring back some of this old school thought process, old school culture, you know, and there are so many themes in this book, right? And we layered them all throughout, um, hopefully, so that any reader just has a ton of lessons that they can learn from through my mistakes. Because like I've been telling people, right, bad decisions make for great stories. And this book is full (laughs) of bad decisions, as you know. And I only put the ones in there that I couldn't get in trouble for. So (laughs) the ones that I could actually get in trouble for, I certainly didn't put in writing. But uh I did push the limits with some stuff that I, yeah, I think we all have a little bit of that if you grew up uh, in the uh, 70s, 80s time frame. Now, as soon as you get in the 90s and 2000s, I mean, these kids, uh, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about your your background as a Navy SEAL. What, um, well, let's go back before that. Let's talk about your childhood. You were a Boy Scout, worked your way to Eagle Scout. That's right. I, uh, I grew up in the scouting world when... It was actually fun. There wasn't any controversy about he, she's, and she, he's, and whatever else has come up. That has ruined it. Um, I know. It was was actually, yeah, I learned. I I mean, it's such a great foundation there. And, you know, it seems these days it's uh, it's been plagued by, you know, equal opportunity type stuff. And I get it. But, I mean, why, why is it such a big deal? For there to be boy-centric group, girl-centric group, you know, why can't the SEAL community be a bunch of alpha males, right, that go around the world killing people? (laughs) You know, we got to go and have these discussions and these arguments about, you know, gender stuff, and I'm just like, well, just leave it alone, man, there's nothing wrong, it ain't broken, so why are you trying to, you know, not fix it? So it's... uh, it's, it's like just, they're trying to break it. Yeah, you know? it's it's like what yeah. can we do to break this? You know, it's, it appears to be working. You know, the scouts appear to be making uh, our young men uh, responsible, educated, uh, motivated individuals. What can we do to fuck that up? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I, it's like people are just getting bored. Like, what else needs to be messed with? <laughs> and I just I don't get it. But anyway. The Boy Scouts certainly, for me, during that time frame, laid a great foundation and everything from, you know, I swam. A lot of people show up to SEAL training, and that's their first time to swim over a mile. Oh, my God. I swam my first, I swam my first mile for the one-mile merit badge, right? And yeah. so that was when I was a kid. Um, and, it, you know, there's a lot of first-time things that happen in the scouting community that I think are great for creating responsible, you know, men. And that's all obviously the, uh, the goal of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So so you had the opportunity to to travel around the world when you were younger. Uh, well, I did not all over, but you were in, you were in several different places and you talk about that in the book and you spent uh, some time in the middle East and I did, I grew up Grew up in Saudi Arabia, and uh, my dad worked for an oil company, and I was there from, you know, second grade all the way to high school. Came back to the States for high school. Yeah. Am I I ruining it by saying, and I'm holding the finger quotes up, your dad worked for an oil company? (laughs) (laughs) Is that giving anything away? There is an underlying tone there, but, uh, you know, can neither confirm nor deny. And that's reality. I mean, he died right before I could actually find out the good stuff but so yeah you still have a, it. that's still a mystery to you to this day to a certain degree certain aspects yeah yeah uh, that's got to be frustrating 
It is a little bit, man. It may, it just kind of leaves a big question mark, um, yeah. in a good way, you know, sure. you know, it's just, uh, when it's your, uh, he's the biggest influence in my life, like for many, for many people. So yeah, it's a good question mark for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, no doubt, uh, you had a very interesting childhood, but everything is like you laid it out. I mean, everything that you were doing in your childhood, it was just like the pathway that led you to the seals. Yeah. It is being a troublemaker. I mean, I, anybody who's listening, you think if you're got trouble making in your DNA, join the military. Cause trust me, you'll, you will be a stellar operator, operative, whatever, whatever path you choose, right. you will be great at it because you need that kind of risk versus reward. You don't give a shit about consequence type attitude in order to win over today's adversaries, you know, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and that goes to your uh, one of your mottos is was if if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Is that what it was? That's right. Yeah, and it's a it, it's it's a, the unofficial motto of the SEAL community all the way up until like God, what was it, two thousand and four or five when we finally got an ethos. Okay, the SEAL community did not have an ethos. Oh, I didn't realize that. It had nothing, right? <laughs> so, so our unofficial mantra was: if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> and uh, well, which is great, right? It's all about hey, do whatever it takes to win against your adversaries. Right. Now they're not even allowed to say that in in SEAL training any longer because you know we have we've had we've always had incidences. It's just not till recently they make the news and they're turned into a big deal, but. We've always had that. It's part of the culture, right? Yeah. It's the kind of people you attract. And I always tell people, if you're going to attract a guy that loves risk, then, of course, he's going to take risks in his personal life and sometimes get caught and get in trouble. So, right. anyway, short story is, uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, unfortunately, has gone away. But I truly believe it is a great piece of the culture. Uh, no doubt, from the the seals that we've had on the the show, they all seem to have a certain <laughs> personality, you know. Yeah, and the yeah, ones that I know trouble. personally too. <laughs> we probably yeah. know some of the same guys, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So um, we had I was talking earlier. You know, we had Jack Carr on uh, our leadheads. Uh, no, he has the terminal list and the uh, true, true believer. believer. Yeah, true believer. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, did you and Jack serve together? Uh, we overlapped almost the entire uh, 20 years. He came in, I think he was a little bit behind me, maybe maybe 10 buds classes behind me, retired around the same time. Not once did we work together, but uh, just we were parallel but never got to meet each other. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's funny. It's a small community, but you're always everyone's you know always gone, so you, sure. you only really get to know the guys that are next to you, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, – in the book, the uh, in the uh, uh, what do you call this? Where they're doing the, the write up of the uh, epilogue? Is that what it is? No, not the epilogue. Oh yeah, epilogue. Yeah. It says that you are the only seal ever inducted into the International Spy Museum. What's that about? First, I don't write all this flowery crap about myself. So, <laughs> but it must be true, um, right? <laughs> The word, the word indoctrinated, I'm like, wow, I don't even know. I don't even think I know how to spell that. But uh, basically, um, I have been a friend of the Spy Museum out there in D.C. for quite some time. I've been a big supporter. 
I donated um, some of my stuff to them, and they uh, they do a great job keeping the world of espionage and assassinations and all that kind of more discreet warfare um, alive. And and in the the new museum they just built is out of control, like. It looks like MI6 headquarters, but when you go inside, it is about as high-tech as it comes. And they, uh, they dedicated a little area um, with a picture of me and the artifacts I donated, and it's really cool. It was, uh, I had no idea that was the route that it was going to go. Yeah. You know, I was just like, here, you can, I don't need this stuff anymore. And, um, and then they turned it into something pretty neat. And, uh, you know, the first time I saw it was probably six months after they opened up the new building, and it's pretty cool. And I, it's everyone should go there if you're into anything that has to do with modern spy or even you know historical spy stuff. It's the one museum where everything is interesting. You know what I mean? Right. I bet it's yeah. cool. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, it's very it cool. is. Now, they, do, is it just American spy stuff, or is it uh, from all around the world? kind of stuff it's all around the world oh, yeah that would be amazing. they have yeah they have assassin a lot of russian assassination weapons in there that still have the blood on it sitting in the case i mean it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> wow. yeah yeah that is cool and that's in washington right. yeah it's in dc it's not far from lafayette plaza is where the new one is and it's that's really it's really close to all the other smithsonian museums and actually Interesting fact: It is the most visited museum in Washington D.C. The Spy Museum. The Spy Museum. So, wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, there's something like 30 million people a year visit the Smithsonian. Uh, so I mean, that's a that's a lot of people going through there. That's right. Seeing your mug. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> dude. You ought to see if they hey, put a copy know. of your book in there. Yeah, I think they probably have, you know, the gift store is pretty big. So I'm guessing my book's in there somewhere. Uh, let's hope so. Definitely. Yeah. So um, speaking of the gadgets and things like that, uh, you go, you know, you, you can't get into, I guess, a lot of detail because you get you get redacted a lot in this. Um, talk about that first off, because I wanted to ask you about that, too. Uh, because a lot of the stuff that they're redacting is um, it's not classified stuff. Yeah, no, it, they just, uh, there is a certain point of view that I think DOD is taking. And that is, you know, if we get a manuscript, especially memoirs, we're going to hang on to it forever. And they're using a motto. I, I developed this motto for them that when in doubt, black it out, right? <laughs> so it's very trademarked. <laughs> And you see, you know, and you and as you read the book, I've got footnotes at the bottom that relate Priceless. to whatever's been blacked out. And it's usually like, fuck these guys or, you know, it, it, this or, or whatever. So, I Similar material has been published without redaction in at least one other Pentagon reviewed seal book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've just I just punk them out as many times as I can because it's just ridiculous. I mean. Here I am, I'm telling you about, yeah, these are the operations I conducted against bin Laden. And then right when I'm about to tell you, then they're like, ah, no, we're not going to let them do that. Like this or, one's hey, a whole page and a half that they, <laughs> yeah. they well, you, know, you know, if you hold it up to the light, you'll be able to see what's really going on. <laughs> oh, you cannot. I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that only works with those those crayon eaters I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's got to be frustrating to a storyteller, you know, because some of this stuff I'm sure was. Uh, I mean, you don't put it in there unless it's key to the book, you know. Yeah, it's uh, and it's not. Here's the thing: is I would never put anything in there classified, right? Um, hell, I don't even know. The reason you get your book reviewed is because you no one, anyone who's gotten out has no idea what is currently classified or what's been declassified. Um, so, you know, that's the whole purpose of the review process. But yeah. they black out. They just blacked out. Just such you know, kind of ridiculous stuff. You know, but it makes for you know, an interesting read because uh, if you really pay attention when you're reading, you can figure out what the black stuff is. Yeah, and you kind of yeah. give a little hint sometimes in your uh, your asterisk. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thought bubbles, all my little thought bubbles from from time to time. But back to the gadgets. Um, what's what's one of the coolest gadgets that you came up with on your own that you designed and developed? Um, probably. One of the cool ones that's original, at least it was for me, um, was a makeshift conceal holster out of a hanger, right? So sometimes you end up, uh, you know, you'll get a gun, but you don't necessarily get what you need with it because when you travel, you're not going to put that kind of stuff in your baggage or your carry-on, right? Um, and you'd be surprised if you get overseas and you, you end up with a gun it doesn't come with all the accessories. <laughs> so <laughs> it's on you. So if you take a hanger, a wire hanger, and, um, and I described this in a hundred deli skills. And if you basically cut tape and bend into a certain fashion, um, you'll end up with a pretty secure, uh, makeshift, uh, inside the waist, uh, holster. And, uh, it's pretty simple. It's easy to do. Um, and you don't have to go and increase your signature out on the town buying things. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, philosophies is, Hey, you always assume you're being watched. You always assume you're being listened to. You always assume you're being followed. And if you're assuming all those big three, then you'll end up probably doing a good job protecting yourself in the long run. Right. So, you don't want to go buy anything that could lead, give someone a reason, right. you know, to pull you over, ask you questions, anything of that nature. So, you know, so you end up improvising things that you can find. And ideally, they're things you find in your hotel room. So hangers are everywhere around the world, you know. And it uh, that's probably, I mean, it's nothing cool or sexy. Sure. Um, there's definitely, hey, functional. go to the suit. It's functional. It applies to the everyday person. Now, there's other things like, Go to your local souk and buy a 1980s, 1990s answering machine. And every answering machine is a DTMF board, which is a dual-tone, multi-frequency board. On that board are relay switches so that when you call in to your answering machine, you can press 1 for rewind, press 2 for fast-forward. Right? Most people have no clue what any of that is these days, but overseas you can still find these things. Anyway, you can pull that DTMF board out of it, hook a cell phone up to the, like, basically equivalent to the inline jack, right? Right. Then you can take all of the leads from those relays that are very open, closed, command-centric, and then go attach those to, let's say, a fuel pump. Or, hey, (laughs) why not even attach it to the airbag, right? Now... (laughs) 
I can call the DTMF board, right? And I can, once it answers, I can press one and make the fuel pump basically disengage, right? Then once the vehicle comes to a puttering stop, then I can press two and launch the airbag and knock the motherfucker out, right? (laughs) Then he disappears for the rest of his life, right? So, you know. And you may or may not have used that before? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of interesting improvised ways to do things. And uh, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's, It's more about just having a knowledge base to even think or look in that kind of, in that direction or get outside the box a little bit, but yeah. So how long have you been retired now? Uh, Approaching five years. Yeah. It's gone by fast. Okay. Five years. And this is your, is this your third book in those five years? Yeah. So a hundred deadly skills is uh, two books. And then I did a a hundred deadly skills puzzle book for PTSD and TBI guys. So it's uh, it keeps them occupied, reduces anxiety, it works their brain in a way that increases cognitive and memory issues. Um, so there's actually, I guess, three deadly skill books, and then I've got this uh, memoir um, that kind of fills in the blank for a lot of people who bought those books, like, who the hell is this guy? And so, <laughs> hence the memoir. <laughs> And gotcha. plus, you can't be you can't be a real seal until you do a memoir, as everyone knows. You know. Is that required? Is that kind of in the manual now? <laughs> yeah, you join the Navy, you sign your book contract, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, what's what's the big takeaway that that you want readers on the right kind of crazy to walk away with after they've read this book? You know, like I said, there's a lot of themes. It's, there's an underdog theme that it's okay if you're the skinny little runt that uh, isn't that athletic and uh, maybe not even that smart. But if you've got passion and you really want something in life, the hardest thing for most people is to identify what it is they really want in life. But once you do and you put that little seed of passion in there, man, that's like, that's nuclear. You know what I mean? That right. passion. Right can get you through anything and make you as as successful as you take it. Um, So that's one piece of the book. The other one is, hey, if you're, you know, if you live a life of risk and take a lot of risk, then it's naturally going to bleed into your personal life and you end up probably divorced. Uh, You probably run through, you know, girlfriends left and right, you know, you, but, uh, and, and that goes back to humanizing the, the the superhero myth sometimes I feel is kind of uh, that makes up you know the seal brand. Um, so yeah. I've humanized it. You know, we make mistakes. You know, there's trial and error. We we do a lot of dumb shit, and uh, hopefully you learn from it and you move forward. Um, and you try not to repeat mistakes over and over again. But sometimes you know it's inevitable. You make a mistake a couple of times before you learn your lesson because we're a bunch of hard headed alpha males, right? So. But, I mean, there are so many themes in this book. It's very – it's got a lot of depth. Um, it's got a lot of personal stuff. And I think there's something to be learned by everyone, you know, and that's really the – that was really the goal of the book. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, as I told you earlier, as I was reading through this, uh, it seemed like we were you know, probably kindred spirits or uh, – Yeah. You know, I saw a lot of me in some of the things that, that uh, you were telling the stories about. I was like, even though I didn't serve in the military, I wasn't in the Navy SEALs, 
you know, in other aspects, you know, I was, uh, played a lot of sports and, you know, things like that, but was a boy scout, you know, went through all that, did that. But yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I don't know the word I want to use. It's, uh, it was good. I'm not a reader. My listeners know that I'm not a big reader and it takes, it takes a lot for me to, to actually sit through and start reading a book, but then to actually read the entire book, you know, it's gotta be something substantial for me to go through an entire book to read it. Um, I've, I've had several books where, you know, after the first, you know, three or four chapters, I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll toss it to the side yeah, and yeah. I just can't get into it. But I got into this book because it was hitting, uh, all my cylinders, you know, all my check boxes on, you know, stuff that I was uh, hoping that you would talk about and cover and, and you did in this book. So I, I highly recommend Leadheads that you go check out the right kind of crazy. Uh, and I'm sure it's everywhere that you buy books. Amazon. It is. It's I mean, sitting at Walmart. Amazon, Walmart, Target. At Walmart, it's kind of funny. Somebody sent me a picture. It's sitting in between Trump Jr. and Snowden. <laughs> oh, so, no. Interesting placement. But, uh, yeah, it's everywhere books are sold. And then, of course, Amazon is, you know, everybody's first choice. So, Yeah, it seems to be the the easy button nowadays is, is going to Amazon. So, Leadheads, make sure you go pick that book up. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is, because I've read it, Clint, I'm going to give my copy away to one lucky Leadhead. And at the end of the show, we'll let you pick who that is. And uh, I'll send this book to them. I'm going to pay it forward. All right. Sounds like a plan. I like it. Is that a good plan? Very good. So I've got this this line of questioning that I asked new guys, our new guests. Somebody's only been on the show, you know, their first time on the show. And All right. now it's time to hit you with... New guy, new guy, new guy. And sometimes a girl. Questions. All right. <laughs> What's your earliest recollection of shooting a gun, shooting a firearm. It could be a BB gun, too. Oh, wow. BB gun, too, huh? Um, probably uh, had to have been... It was on my grandma and grandpa's land, and it was a a very... Sh- it was a shorty. It was a, it was a, it was a pump 22 rifle, and it was built for, like, kids. Yeah. And I was... Yeah, and I was probably... Uh, gosh... 11, 12, somewhere around there. Where did you grow up in those, grew in up those in years? A, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that first part was the Dallas area. Um, then I went to Saudi. Then I came back to the Dallas area. Dallas is always where I've reset gotcha. back to. Yeah. Do you still have that 22? You know, I don't think so. I don't know where that thing went. It's probably being used in a robbery somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> when uh okay, we obviously talked about you you have a military background um when when did you go in when did you sign up i i enlisted in 94 and then i retired in 2015 talk just real briefly about your your path through from enlistment to to when you were retired uh joined the navy went to boot camp then you go back then you had to go to an a school which you know the rest of the military calls it an mos uh, and that's your specialty so that if you don't make it through buds then you have a job you can do in the fleet 
which I was corpsman. So I went to corpsman school, which was, you know, basically Navy medic. And then I went to Bud's. Um, that's six months of hell. I started with class 203. I finished with class 203, which is kind of a big deal in the SEAL world. Uh, and then, then I went to uh, 18 Delta, which is the Army's Special Operations Medical School, um, and got a higher level of education in trauma medicine, and then went to SEAL Team 3, did several deployments there, then went to the NSA, um, then went down to Virginia Beach to Dev Group, and then finished out my career there and retired. There you go, in a nutshell. That's it. When it comes to pop culture, whether it's a TV show, a movie, a book, a song, video game, whatever it may be, what's your go-to? What do you, what do, you do to, to just escape? Escape is probably, uh, you know, movies. That's my default. I think that's been my default for a long time, you know? Whenever I've got downtime and I don't have anything to do and I want to decompress, I try to find a good movie. What's your what's your one that you can just watch over and over and over and over again? There's a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first one you know, depending on my mood. Yeah. yeah, depending on my mood, I can watch uh definitely Step Brothers is uh is a <laughs> that thing, dude. I don't know what it is about those two idiots. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you're in life. That's right. Any of those. Ricky any Bobby. of those. Yeah, do. That's yeah those right. two guys are knuckleheads. They're perfect together. Yeah, they are. They they complement each other well. And then any of those. Me and my, my daughter and I are like favorites to do is uh, any Marvel movie. We, we're total Marvel junkies. For real? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of a, a nerd myself when it comes to, to that. I grew up on the comic books and and all that stuff. My I had two older brothers. Of course, I would get their hand-me-downs, and they were huge comic book collectors. So I got the I got the benefit of reading all that stuff when I was growing up. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. So it's I what, uh... I got to get your take on uh, you know the last the Infinity the what was the last one called. Um, Infinity War? Well, it was Infinity Wars, then it was uh, in, not in game. Endgame. Endgame? Yeah, Endgame. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It was yeah. Infinity War, then Endgame. Right. Um, I, you know, I liked them. Uh, I certainly, I remember not the Endgame. I kind of, you know, when you try and cram that many characters into one movie, it, it basically waters down really the what's the goal, right? What's mm -hmm. the end state here? And uh, so I felt like I was kind of left hanging a little bit here and there. And then you sat at the end and you waited for the clue. Right. And if I remember, right, there wasn't a clue, right? There was like, that's it. That's the end. Because that you was know? the end. Yeah, there's nothing else. Right. Yeah, which was kind <laughs> of a letdown. You're like, no, there's got to be a clue. There's got to be something. But. Well, they're um, going to do more. You know, we all know that oh, they're, yeah. they're going to do more. They're just they're going to you know do a different story arc now, which is cool. I look, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the direction that they're headed with all that with the the Disney the Disney app thing now. You know, they got so they're coming out. Oh with yeah, TV series. Well, I know they're. They, I know they just finished Black Widow, so I think they're going back in history a little bit to develop those mm -hmm. characters out. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be good. 
if you could identify yourself as a Marvel character, which one do you closely more resemble? <laughs> oh, geez. That's which not a standard question, but since you're a geek like I am, I thought it'd be a good yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, Thanos. I mean, why not? Thanos? For real? You're not, you're not the evil. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people saw him as evil, but, you know, in his mind, you know, he was doing the right thing. That's right. Yeah. Population control. Yeah. <laughs> or should I say universe population control? Yeah. The whole existence control. Yeah. yeah just 50%. I, I, I kind of get that, you know? I don't really like people, so I get it. You know, he could always just, you know, double the amount of resources instead of decreasing the amount of people that use the resource or things that use the resources. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Just, just, just get more planets. Just get, the evil, get more planets. Yeah, just the evil mindset he was in. <laughs> yeah. Is there or has there ever been a a firearm or maybe a piece of kit that you're ashamed to admit to owning? <laughs> uh <laughs> Good. Let me think about that one. It probably is a bunch, but what's funny is before 9-11, you got issued some pretty squirrely stuff. You're always like, uh, really? We're SEALs and we've got this? And I'm trying to remember what this is. <laughs> you know, it could be like... Um, that would probably be a better way to phrase that question is, you know... What's yeah, I remember one, one year we got... Yeah. Right. One year we got issued a, a Glock fixed blade knife made by Glock. I have it that. had the, it was a long, blacked out, yeah. you know, I have fixed that. blade. <laughs> you got it. You know what I'm talking about. And we kind of looked at him like, really? I mean, it's, it kind of seemed cheesy. Yeah. Um, but as a tool, it, it, it did its job. You know, what ends up happening in the SEAL community is you get issued so much crap every quarter that it's like, oh, well, I'll put this knife on this you know, on this setup of gear, and then I'll put this knife on this setup, and this because you've got so many knives, you can right. just put one everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I, for that Glock knife, kind of us all like looking at it. And any, yeah, and any knife that you're kind of like questionable, that becomes your new dive knife because you're like, whatever, I don't care if I lose it. <laughs> <laughs> That's or I don't care if it gets, you know, it's always in salt water, right? You know, you just don't care about it. I do think the I think I always believe that the Rambo knife needs to be reinvented, you know. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. With all kinds of cool high-speed tools in the handle and all that, you know, just bring it up to 2019, you know. Yeah. It, it could be on the way. That's all I can say. Sweet. I'll take one. I'll, I'll take two. So the Glock, the Glock trench knife, you think is probably the hinkiest thing you got you got issued? <laughs> I think so, man. It's been so long, but it, like I said at the beginning, you do get some stuff and you're kind of like, really? There's probably other stuff. I know that we got all kinds of different fins and yeah. some of the fins that for for dive operations were just crap, but right. somebody, sold, somebody sold off that it was the greatest thing in the world, but not until you used them. You're like, these things don't work. Um, Somebody's getting a kickback. Oh, yeah. There's probably some some kind of little under the table deal, but yeah, there's... You know, and there was a time when there, you didn't get issued body armor or um, cool like H gear and stuff, right? It was always you ended up going to the airloft and making this stuff yourself, right? So 
that was probably the hinkiest is any of the crap you made on your own, you know, <laughs> you look like a bunch of, you know, nothing. And we, we kind of, pride ourselves, yeah, we pride ourselves on not matching, right? We don't, we don't wear, you know, when we operate, you wear whatever you want to wear. You don't wear what everybody else is wearing. There is no uniform to it, you know? Right. But when you're when you've got a bunch of guys wearing whatever they want and they're making whatever they want, then it starts you start looking funny. But tactical you know, hobos. That's right. Yeah, I kind of preferred that. I kind of preferred that world. On the on the opposite of that, what's the coolest or what's your most favorite piece of kit that you were issued or, or firearm? You know, I really dig the uh, the MP7. Towards the end of the career, that's all I kind of carried. And then right at the tail end, that 300 blackout that SIG makes, we, we we helped design that as our new kind of backpack gun. That thing is pretty cool. I mean, just like any SIG, you got to break it in. It's unfortunate. They get a bad rap for jamming and stuff, but it, it's because you just haven't put enough rounds through it. Yeah, the MP7, 300, what else? Uh, then there was like the high-end cool stuff. I mean, I, I uh, pe- as you noticed in the book, my world was like, surreptitious entry getting in getting out leaving leaving zero you know forensic trace back zero attribution to the united states government that kind of stuff and so we really dumped a lot of money into some very high-tech things that allowed you to pretty much open up any door you wanted to no matter what it was attached to right you could whether it was a vessel a vehicle a structure we had some pretty cool stuff to get us in and out yeah. And nobody would know the wiser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sexy, cool stuff. <clears throat> what is uh, your next bucket list item? Either it's a fire or a piece of kit or maybe it's a vehicle. What's what's the next thing you got to have, want to have, you're going to get? I am definitely going to join the van life world, right? <laughs> you been, have you follow any of that? The van you, life? Yeah, you can get like a Mercedes Sprinter van decked out on the inside uh like the finest of hotel rooms you've ever seen refrigerator stove a drop down bed everything you need and my goal is get in that thing and just disappear (laughs) that sounds like my next lead quarters right there it is man those things if you just start following hashtag van life Uh um it is really cool people buy you can buy like basically a Dodge Postmaster or a Mercedes Sprinter, any of those series of vans, 2,500, 3,500. Um, it's basically, the, if you if you really pay attention to the, the Amazon delivery trucks, yeah. that's what it is, right? And yeah. then you can deck out the back end and live in the damn thing if you wanted to. But yeah. it's kind of like this, it's, it's like, they call it stealth you know, stealth camping or stealth living because there's actual people that have loaded out their vans and then live in them and park wherever they want inside urban environments. And as long as it meets certain criteria, the cops can't give you a ticket. Oh, okay. But it, yeah, it's that got, it's got this huge following, but it's completely attractive to me. I kind of love that. You know, I enjoy that minimalist kind of sure. idea, you know, granted it's a step above, hanging out with a, a pack on in your tent. So it's not exactly minimalist, it's what most minimalists would consider. Modernized minimalist. It is, man. <laughs> I've actually <laughs> looked at those and thought about turning one of those into a mobile studio. 
for you know yeah when I, yeah when i travel i mean that would be the isn't it right there you should that's what lance armstrong does he just travels around in a, in a sprinter van that's his podcast and you know just you know roams the country doing uh, interviews it's pretty cool yeah it's neat the next one is uh laws be damned rules be damned money be damned what would you own what would i own no laws no money obstacles Anything. Anything. You know, I'd probably go buy my own planet and then just stay away from Earth. <laughs> would you would you buy that Nazi planet? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I and, don't know. Does that label me though? I don't know. Rename it something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If I say yes to that, does that make me a white supremacy guy or what? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in some people's eyes, probably. Yeah. Just yeah. the fact that we're talking about it probably makes us white supremacists. Uh, yeah. No, nah, that's a little too cold for me. It has to be a planet that's a little warmer. So, yeah. Maybe yeah, I'd Venus. go and hang out. You know, I'd probably buy all the shit that Elon Musk buys because he's got, uh, you know, big super yachts and, uh, you know, his own spaceships. I mean, heck, why not, right? I would have a um, the the Shield, their big uh, aircraft carrier that flies. That's what I would have. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. That thing's cool. Or I'd take aircraft, one of those. Or an aircraft carrier, you know, loaded with the planes and, you know, all like cool stuff the boats yeah yeah <laughs> have you ever seen one of those do their test test runs i haven't so when they build a new aircraft carrier they have to test it for sea state and so they'll go out in the middle of the ocean before they load it out with all the equipment and everything minimal crew and then they'll engage all four nukes and get that thing up to 70 miles an hour in the middle of an ocean Holy shit. and then and then they'll just turn it on a dime to where the flight deck literally goes into the water and submerges while that thing takes a turn sideways. And people are on this thing while they're doing that? Minimal. It's only it's only what it takes to just go out and do the test runs. But that's how incredible those things are. Like those things are fast. Would never and have thought they, it. And if you have everything tied down, I mean, yeah, you can take you can turn on a dime with those things. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I would never have thought that they would be able to maneuver like that. Yeah, go, you can Google it, and uh, you'll see some pretty There's incredible some footage, footage images. There's, there's images of an aircraft carrier sitting like basically sideways, and uh, it's just amazing. It oh, really cool. is. Hey, those, i got to check that out. Those things are incredible. If you could spend the day at the range with anyone or any group of people, whether they're dead, still alive, fictional, who would it be? Yeah, yeah, Dad would definitely be top on the list. Um, Good answer. Yeah, I'd throw some. I'd throw some other guys in there with us. You know, my I'd throw my uncle in there. I kind of refer to him in the book, and uh, definitely my grandpa from World War II. But yeah, it'd be definitely family members for sure. Very cool. Like, yeah, like that answer. All right, so you pass, man. You are now official leadhead. Welcome, <laughs> welcome right. to the leadhead brigade, Kent. All right. Love it. You guys have like a big foam thing you wear on your head, kind of like cheese heads? Or? No, we do a little bit. We got shirts. Yeah, we do shirts. So you have to give me All your right. address and I'll send you a uh, Leadhead Brigade shirt and maybe even throw a lady in there for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll, we'll I'll definitely sport it for you. Hells yeah. All right. So uh, before I get you out of here, I, I want to talk about what you're doing now and the company um, that you founded when you retired. It's Escape the Wolf. 
Let's talk about what you guys are doing there. You're doing some pretty amazing things over there. Yeah, Escape the Wolf uh, started as a little book I put together. Um, so how to travel and be the gray guy. Uh, and then one day it, it got circulated around and one day it ended up in the hands of the global security director for the Wall Street Journal. And that was the day that the book became a company because he calls me and says, hey, I want everything in this book to be taught to my 700 most elite journalists. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so I took the book to a developer, turned it into e-learning. And then that, uh, that travel safe um, curriculum is sitting on Wall Street Journal Dow Jones servers. And now they are required. Yeah, they're required. All those journalists are, I think, to this day, still required to take that before they go overseas. Um, so anyway, that was the beginning. And now uh, Escape the Wolf is doing crisis management policy and training development for small to large organizations, nonprofits, you know, places of worship, private schools. Um, so we literally come in and build out your crisis management program or we just, uh, you know, make your current one a little better. And so the things you'll see in the book, you know, uh, uh, right kind of crazy. I talk about some of the more sexy stuff we do, which is red teaming. Mm -hmm. And that is going around to uh, Fortune 500 companies mainly because they're the ones that, you know, have intellectual property or technology they want to protect from yeah. foreign intel services. And so we go in and we kind of pretend to be the bad guys uh, or, they, or, a, or a hostile foreign intel service. And we try to break into the companies and, and basically get to whatever they tell us. Hey, we want you to get to the servers or see if you can get to the CEO's office. Um, so there's always an, uh, hey, there's an a good instant. story. I'm laughing because there's good stories in the book. You tell uh, a couple of those that. Yeah. Yeah. So classic. we do the, we do those from time to time, but a majority of the work really is, you know, making sure employees know what to do when there's active shooters, cyber threats, natural disaster, medical events. And of course our foundation, which is, you know, safe travel abroad. Mm -hmm. So that's it, man. Escape the wolf is, uh, you know, it's kind of a unique, industry it's growing um but we were kind of first movers in the market and it keeps us busy very good now, and you, not just corporations but you work with schools and different entities like that as well yeah yeah we've uh, we've had it we've got a couple of private school private boarding schools up in the northeast um and in the, and the parents were the ones that were driving it you know so you have harrison ford's kids and l mcpherson's kids they're they're all going to these high-end uh boarding schools and so it was the parents that said hey you know bring in someone to get this stuff done and so pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool give your website where people can uh, find more information about escape the wolf your uh, wolf social media and all that yeah, so um, my entire ecosystem is at clintemerson.com, um, and you'll see everything I've got going on there. But specifically for Escape the Wolf is escapethewolf.com, and then on social media, all the handles are Escape the Wolf. Uh, yeah. At Escape the Wolf. Yeah. At Escape the Wolf, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Is, have you got a story that you could tell our listeners, not the, that's in the book, but just to kind of give them a taste of what to expect, you know, some of the stories about your red teaming. You got another one you could tell? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh we did one against a, um, a big is, media. What you're doing with this, I mean, is this like 
something I would want to do. I would love to do, you know, what you guys are doing. I mean, you're just you're you're <laughs> no, it's, espionage. You know, you're playing espionage, but you're doing it. You know, people are paying you to do it uh, to their own companies. Right. You know, it's awesome. so, yeah, it's uh, it's tr- you're getting paid to be a troublemaker. You know, <laughs> so um, I think you know we've we've done a bunch. I think the probably another one that's not in there. Um, was a media uh, a media company, and they uh, they had a big they have a big internet um, signature, and so they wanted their server room. Uh, they wanted us to see if we could get to the server room, right? Which for them is their biggest vulnerability. Uh, and so we spent we spend ninety six hours as the only we we get basically the company. Um, they know the 30-day window, but we get to pick the 96-hour spot, and they don't get to know that part, right? So that way, we don't get any false positives on their security. Right. Um, and so then we'll go 96 hours straight, and the first you know, several hours is always uh, reconnaissance and surveillance. We watch the buildings. We watch the people. And then we slowly come up with a plan of how we're going to get in. A lot of times we walk through the front door, right? And I talk about that in the book. But at this particular, they were they were small. So when they closed up at night, they locked every door and then they were gone. And it wasn't a big enough company to where you could kind of roll in with the crowd right. during lunch or, you know, at the end of the day, you could roll in against the grain or anything like that. So we literally had to break in and uh so there was a back door that was the most vulnerable and so we figured out how we could bypass it without you know leaving any signature and of course alarms right that's your biggest threat and uh after the after once so once you get past the locks now you got to deal with alarms we get that alarm and it it starts going off which is okay. It's the call out to 911 that you're most worried about. So it's a mad rush to find the panel. The panel is like the brains to any alarm system. So anybody who has an alarm in their house, you're always going to have a, a panel. Right. Um, and so we are like running through this place trying to figure out where the panel is. Uh, and we finally find it in the break room, like up above some like cabinets. You know, they had attached oh it all the pot, that, that, which is smart. You Are know? you just following wires at this point to see where they're leading to to get to it? or No, you're just using your flashlights, just trying to find that panel. And so the point being is for any of you with home security, the panel always needs to be put in the most obscure, screwy place. You don't want it to be in the master bedroom closet at eye level, yeah. right? Because that's where any smart bad guy is going to look there. You want it like where they had it. They had it up and away in a a screwy spot. And then once we got up there, it was locked. And so then you had to get through that. And then once we opened it up, you know, then you could finally do what needed to be done. But talk about, you know, almost burning ourselves with law enforcement, because if we don't get to it in a certain amount of time and do and basically disengage a couple of different wires, depending on the make and model, um, then the call out will happen, right? It'll automatically go to nine one one. The cops will show up. Right. Um, it's not a very glamorous, sexy story because we just never have had the cops show up. You know, um, we've 
we've been lucky because uh, there is a lot of luck when it comes to breaking and entering, um, especially if you never got to see the inside of the target. But but once you're in, then then you own the place for the night, right? You can use a, an entire cycle of darkness and imagine what can be done in an entire cycle of darkness and it's to a company. And that's the scary part. And that's why it's so important that everybody that it works for you understands the importance of good security. And uh, because and when you're got, doing these break-ins, you've got certain people that know that you're up, what you're up to. And then if you guys get caught, then you've got like a number or somebody that you know, right. can the only people for you. Yeah, the only people in the company that know we're coming is the usually the attorneys. And then I, we have them write a, a letter on letterhead that basically serves as a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? So if we do get rolled up by law enforcement, we just basically pull that letter out and we show it to them. And then the law enforcement will do their job on vetting and ensuring that it's credible and call all the right numbers. And then hopefully we don't go to jail that night. <laughs> but you've not had to do that yet, right? We have not. We have yeah, not been rolled up and put in jail. And there's been probably a couple of close calls. That was one of them where that alarm became a frantic, you know, like, oh, God, we're going to get burned. Um, but we found it, and neutralized it in time. But, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It, there's there's no doubt about it. It is really a whole lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that that story. Uh, but you yeah. guys definitely go get his book because he, he's got a couple more in his book that are uh, definitely – more exciting than that. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Because there's some good details on there. All right, Clint, I think it's uh, it's time. Let's pick who we're going to give this book away to, uh, and then uh, I'm going to announce another giveaway that we're doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my Facebook page. I'm going to go to Tony Lights Facebook page, and I think there's a way where I can go in here and look at our top, who are top uh, subscribers or whatever they, uh, top fans. <clears throat> That's what they call them. Uh, let's just do this. Um, let's pick a number between one and let's say 50. I mean, there's several here. Um, or let's do, let's narrow it down even more. One to 25. One to 25? Yeah. You got like a num number randomization or something there on your phone? Well, I'll just, uh, I'll go with, uh, hold on a second. Let me do some math real quick and that'll come up with a number. What's five plus three? Plus two, plus six. Sixteen. Okay, there you go. Sixteen. One. All right. All right, I'm going to read the names as I whiz by you as not being a winner. Uh, <laughs> one, two. I'm not going to do it. Uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Sixteen is what we said? Sixteen, yeah. Uh, that looks to be Richard Cover. All right. Congratulations. Richard Cover, married to Wheezy Cover since March 1st, 1989. Uh, you've got a We Remember thing. I'm just looking at his page there. So, we, so Richard, talkinglet at gmail.com. I'm going to send you my copy that Clint sent me of the book. It's not autographed, I don't think. I don't think it's autographed in there. But I'll autograph it for you. I'll, I'll put uh, my autograph on there. But under one condition, you got to pass it on to someone else when you get done. Okay. All right. So talkingletgmail.com, I'm going to send you this book. So congratulations to, I hope they don't call him Dick. <laughs> I hope that's not his <laughs> dick cover. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that might be an alias. 
So I announced last episode that I'm going to be doing the Xtil Targets Gong giveaway and what you got to do to do to to win that. And I want more participation on that. So you go you got to go back to last episode. I tell you what you got to do to be able to win the Xtil Targets Gong. I'm not going to tell you in this episode. I'm going to make you go back if you've not listened to that episode. I don't I don't make it easy for them. Clint. I make them work for their, their giveaways. There you go. Good so, job. So we've been celebrating our 300th episode and we've been giving some epic giveaways. Um, ASP USA has given us their XTDF, their dual fuel flashlights. So we've given several of those away. 1776 United, who does all talking lead swag, gave away four $25 gift cards. So thanks to James for that. Uh, Nick over at uh, Dooley Defense, put up a SOS-22 Rebel silencer. We gave that away uh, nice. a few ep- episodes ago. Glock gave us uh, several $75 gift cards to use uh, at their store. Jeff Kirkham over at Rats Tourniquets has given us some Rats Tourniquets that we've been giving away. And uh, let's see, what else did we give away? We gave away a lot of, a lot of other stuff. Um, but we've, we're down to the gong, and we're down to the kel CP-33. And uh, the CP33 is going to be coming soon, guys. I'm going to tell you what you're going to have to do to be eligible to win that uh, CP33, their uh, their 22 pistol. It's a very nice competition, 22 pistol. All right, guys. So now to make a special giveaway announcement, we brought our good buddy David Edelman with Mission First Tactical in. And some of you probably saw our attempt at a Facebook Live announcement. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty sorry. Uh, I do so few of those that, you know, I'll do one and then I'll get everything down and then I forget when I go to do another one because there's so much time in between when I do the lives. I guess I need to do more lives. So, David, welcome in. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, so you and I were at the FLIOA, their, their biennial conference this year and uh we got together and we had a brainstorm and we thought it'd be a good idea to throw the talking lead logo on these new products that you guys are are pumping out talk about those real quick your your new uh, kydex appreciate it so we're doing uh kydex style wallets and dump trays uh right now we got our minimalist wallets we like to say stay organized and carry only what you need in this slim and comfortable wallet Securely store and easily access up to eight credit cards or 15 business cards. And uh, the printing on it is uh, chemically bonded to ensure wear and scratch resistance. It's actually part of the product now. You have to scratch material off to get the design off. That's cool. So it's a nice, yeah, it's, it's permanent. It's a nice slim wallet, you know, for everyday carry. We're using that 0.08 Boltron that we use on the wall, on the holsters that we manufacture. And just like the holsters, they're handmade by vets made in the USA. Very cool. What we're going to do is on those wallets, we've got the classic talking lead logo and we've got the Leadhead Brigade lo- logo that you're going to be giving away six each of those, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And then those awesome dump trays, we've got the classic talking lead logo. Is it the cl- classic or is it the Leadhead Brigade logo? It's the classic talking lead, and then we're also doing the AK Corner. We're doing our brand new, if you guys haven't seen it yet, our talking lead AK Corner logo. Uh, we had that specially designed. Um, I didn't have it for the first episode, 
he just didn't have it ready in time. But uh, we uh, posted it with uh, episode two, the Talking Lady AK Corner, which is out now. Make sure you guys go listen to it. We gave away 500 rounds of Red Army ammo, and we gave away 10 U.S. Palm mags and a U.S. Palm grip to some lucky lead heads. So it pays to listen to the Talking Lead podcast just like it does right now with this giveaway that we're doing with Mission First Tactical. And tell them what they got to do to be able to to win these, to be eligible to win. Sure. So there's a, we're hosting this through Gleam. And uh, you'll find the link on either Talking Head or Mission First Facebook page. Uh, we've also sent out some emails. So all you have to do is click on the link. It's going to uh, take you into a, to a page where it basically tells you what you need to do. Uh, it's pretty easy. There's a, um, a lot of different ways to enter. You can visit the Mission First Tactical Facebook page or the Talking Lead Facebook page. You can visit both of our Instagram pages. Uh, you can go here, one of the Talking Lead podcasts, or you can check out MFT's Everyday Designs on these products. You can share it with your friends, and then if you do all of them, you get a nice big bonus. That's and right. uh, cool. then on Sunday, the system's going to going to pick a winner for 18 different products. So there'll be 18 winners in this. And then uh, based on some initial requests, uh, as soon as we launch this, we're going to be uh, selling these on our website. So they are not up on the website yet, but when they, uh, they will be shortly. What that means, Leadhead, is uh, like I tell you, you support those that support this podcast, and we get to bring you awesome stuff like this more often. So these awesome giveaways like Mission First Tacticals doing, like Century Arms is doing, like Keltec's doing, like X Steel Targets is doing, like ASP is doing with us, like uh, uh, Dooley Defense. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, we take care of our listeners as long as you're going and taking care of our sponsors, our supporters, our friends of the show, like Mission First Tactical. So go and do that. Uh, like he said, you go to their website. It's missionfirsttactical.com. And those are going to be up for sale also. So if you just can't wait, you want to go ahead or you didn't win, uh, you can go and buy these. And they're not going to be expensive and they're very affordable and they make great gifts with the holiday season coming up. Talking about 20 to 40 bucks. It's nothing. Great stocking stuffers right there, guys. So go take part in this contest. Uh, we're making it easy. It's, uh, it's all automated through this Gleam system. It's one of those where you go and like a, you go and like a, uh, a website, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, uh, and you get you get X amount of entries. So uh, at the at the end of this, which is Sunday, okay, so November the twenty fourth, that's when the contest ends. We're going to pick a winner. Uh, when are we going to announce the winner? Monday, we're the twenty fifth. The twenty fifth. So November the twenty fifth, we're going to announce the winner, and we'll have our our live shit figured out by then. And we'll do. <laughs> we'll make a. We'll make a a live announcement on who the winner is, who the winners, the winners are, because we're giving away eighteen different different items here to you, leadheads. So very cool, David. We appreciate you uh, stepping up and taking care of the leadheads, especially here during the holiday seasons. We're kind of doing this to make up for the fact that we're not doing a Black Friday Cyber Monday special edition show. Uh, sorry, just didn't have time to put that together this year for you lead heads. Uh, we'll bring it back next year, bigger and better, but I think you're, I think you're probably okay with what we're doing to make it up. Right. Lead heads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, thank you so much. One more time. Give everybody uh mission first, Facebook, Instagram website, all that. Sure. You can find us at uh, www.missionfirsttactical.com uh, at mission first tactical on both Facebook and Instagram. 
Very cool. So what I've got coming up, guys, just to let you know, I'm going to be headed to Idaho and uh, going to visit Buck Knives. We're going to go up there. We're going to get a tour of facilities. We're going to do some, some social media live while I'm there. So make sure you guys are paying attention to the, the Instagrams and the Facebooks because we're going to be doing some stuff there. We're going to record while we're up there. Uh, they've got some new projects that we're going to be unveiling. And then also while we're up there, Occam Defense Solutions, who is one of the sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Uh, they're just like an hour away, so we're going to drop in, visit Brian Keeney there, and see what he's up to with their AK-47s, the 1775, and uh, it's going to be a good trip. We're going to be doing that next week, so there probably won't be a show next week, just to give you a heads up. Uh, but the AK Corner is coming. The episode two of the Talking Lead AK Corner it's going to be dropping on the 15th, so you don't want to miss that. We talk about all the AKs from around the world. And Clint may have some AK-47 experience. You've probably encountered one or two, huh? A little bit, yeah. you gotta you got to put it on fire in order to uh, charge that weapon. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which sometimes can lead to trouble, like a whole lot of uh, accidental discharges. <laughs> so accidental, is there a such thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends on what they hit. <laughs> right, right. Well, maybe we'll have to have you on the, the AK corner sometime. Yeah, sure. That is a, a whole other segment that we do. Uh, sponsored by Century Arms and Occam Defense Solutions. And But a big thanks to all the uh, sponsors that make this show possible. Keltec, KeltecWeapons.com. Check them out. I just made a post on the PLR-16 on some modifications that I've done to that. Make sure you go check out that. And... Uh, Use these discount codes, medicine in bad places. Talking lead is the code, and you're going to get 20% off anything on their website. And remember, their IFAC kits, if you use anything in their IFAC kits, they replace it at no additional cost for you. So you use it, you get in touch with them, and they're going to replace anything you use out of their IFAC kits. And then to get 15% uh, off their training courses, talking lead 15 it's that simple. Go to Medicine in Bad Places. First Tactical, uh, use the code FLEOA, F-L-E-O-A. Get 25% off, and they're going to donate another 10% to the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association at First Tactical. The holidays are coming up, guys. These are great gifts that you can get for anyone in your family, your friends, uh, all these places that I'm giving you these codes for. Modern Spartan Systems. Don't just clean your firearms. Optimize them with Modern Spartan Systems. Line of uh, lubricants and carbon destroyers. And they even got TVT engine oil additive that makes all your engines runs perfect. TLCP15. That's TLCP15. 15% off. And they're going to donate another 15% to Camp Patriot. Well, we've had Camp, Camp Patriot on the show. Another great nonprofit veteran organization. And then ASP USA, almost uh, flashlights, any of their flashlights or flashlight accessories, LED 20, get you 20% off. And Black Collar Arms, we gave you a discount code back during that episode. Go back to that episode, get that code. Uh, those bolt action pistols, they're going to give you a discount on that. And I got some discounts uh, uh, coming on the... Uh, the AK corner coming up too for some some of those uh, companies there. But yeah, that's it. Clint, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. 
appreciate you being a sport and, uh, and taking part in our segments. Had a good time. Hey, not a problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the push, and uh, thank you to all your leadheads for uh, their support. You are always welcome back anytime. You got a new project, you got a new book coming out. Let us know. We'll make sure uh, we have you on. We'll talk about it. We're going to be at Shot Show. Uh, I know you said something about Shot Show. If you're going to be there, come visit us. Be. Come visit us. We're going to be at the Buck Knives booth again this year. Okay. And we'll have the lead quarter set up. We'll be doing interviews and uh, having a good time up there. All right. Well, I'll stop by and say hi. Awesome. Very good. All right. Leadheads, again, make sure you go check out Clint's new book, The Right Kind of Crazy, and uh, check out his 100 Deadly Skills. Get them at Amazon. And, of course, you can go to his website, uh, Clint Emerson. Is it ClintEmerson.com? That's right. ClintEmerson.com. But until then, and as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. Yeah, keep your firearms close and your herpes medication closer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Especially if you're a seal. <laughs> <laughs>